Hey everybody, it's Jimmy Smith on today's Unlocking the Cage podcast. I talked to undefeated PFL lightweight Kayla Harrison about the PFL playoff season starting this week. And I catch up with former Bellator middleweight champion Rafael Lovato Jr. and have him help me preview Bellator 264. Beautiful armbar last time out over Cindy Danwell. I have her here. Kayla Harrison, 10-0, undefeated, riding right into the PFL playoffs August 19th. She's taking on Jenna Fabian. How you doing, Kayla? It's great to talk to you again. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm good. 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 You, 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 you have that look of like, I am trained out. I have done everything. I, I know that look. I know exactly that look you have on your face of like, yeah. please fight come because all this stuff is finally finished. Talk about that yeah. mentality because people don't get it. People talk about the fight. The fight is like a vacation compared to what you have to do to get there. What's this last fight week like for you? Ah, I mean, it's just, you know, well, I call it two-week-itis. Usually two weeks yes. out before a fight, I cry over spilled milk. I'm just like a raging You can punta. say, it. I, you can say uh, <laughs> This is serious. You can say it. Go ahead. I am a raging bitch. Um, <laughs> and I kind of just, like, can't wait to get locked in a cage so I can kill Try to kill someone. I mean, not literally try to kill you, someone. But... It's okay. The cops are not. No, nah, I mean, ass. I don't want anyone to die. I don't. I would never want anyone to die. But I have a lot of pent up anger, and I'm. It gets to the point where you don't even want to. Like, you show up. You don't want to warm up. You like everything your coaches tell you to do. It's like, <laughs> I'm. That's kind of where I get to. I think, especially um, in the PFL playoffs. Um, in the PFL format, you know, you're fighting back to back to back. And for whatever reason, they've really tightened up this year. So by the time the finals will hit, I'll have fought four times in five and a half months. Wow. Um, and that's like a lot. I'm realizing it's, it's a lot. <laughs> Do you like take, cause some people, you know, there's always that, you know, Oh, I'm back in the gym the next day after a fight and all this stuff. I understand you got a quick knockout or something like that. I want all mine quick and I still would just, I, I don't want to see a gym for five. All I, all I want is five days. I want Monday through Friday yeah. the, the, you know, where I don't see a gym. Just not even if it's like, even if nothing hurt, even if anything was fine. I didn't hurt. You know, I submitted somebody in 30 seconds. I still wanted to like, I don't know, think about other stuff or like worry about other yeah. stuff for one week. Is that mental break important to you? I think it's important for sure. Um, yeah. You know, I am a gym rat. I live at the gym. I'm there twice a day, every day. It's, um, I love what I do, but there is such a thing as, you know, overtraining and um, the mental fatigue that comes with it. So after every fight, I take, I take a week off. I don't go to the gym. Um, I just relax, kind of reset my mind and get, get ready to get ready for the next fight because <laughs> pretty much you go right back into camp when you're in the PFL. So I think it's super important to take a week off and just kind of breathe. You know, it's funny. Um, of course, talking to Kaylee Harrison, uh, PFL fighter, undefeated mixed martial artist, Olympic gold medalist, multiple times. I could go on and on, but I won't. Uh, what's so funny is is coming from wrestling, everybody talks about Dan Gable's famous training regimen, right? Six days a week mm. and all that stuff. And, blah, 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 blah. and I, I tell fighters sometimes, I go, yeah, he had one Olympic gold. His body was pretty much done after that, went into coaching. He's had a million hip surgeries. People don't talk mm. about the downside of like, oh, the grind, the grind. It's like, yeah, but he didn't have the longevity of 
other wrestlers because because of that trade. He had he had an Olympics where he didn't get scored on, but guys like John Smith were had had two, Saitia had right. three, and right. there was this crazy story I heard from Joe Warren, who was an Olympic who was uh, an Olympic hopeful, was a world champion Greco Roman wrestler. He goes. One one competition, uh, it was us versus Russia in this big tournament. And in the American wrestling room, the Brand Brothers were there who are, you know, obviously everybody knows, if you know wrestling, you know the Brand Brothers and all these Iowa guys. And they're like smashing the walls and doing all this stuff. And he goes, I walked over to the Russian side and they were doing drills and pummeling and kicking around a soccer ball. Like yeah. goofing around. And he goes, they killed us. They killed us in the tournament. Like the Russians took like seven medals. They destroyed us. Yeah. And it was the first time I thought like, Maybe we're doing this wrong. Maybe that Iowa head-to-head style that Dan Gable loves so much, it you know you're always peaking all the time. Like you don't build yeah. the right way. You know what I mean? I mean, there's. I think that there is a time and a place for every type of training. You know, I have similar stories where we would go to Russia for training camps, and you know they go fifty percent, and they just kind of move around, and they're not really training hard, but they're going through the motions a lot and just repping it out. Um, and then I have you know stories where I went to Japan and it was 50 rounds of Randori, you know, every single day and it's kill or be killed. And, um, both have super superb judo teams, both, you know, multiple Olympic champions, each games, like they always rise to the top. So I think there's a time and place for all kinds of training. Um, my mentality sort of is, I tend to be more Dan Gable-ish. I tend to want to grind. I tend to want to like, I want to leave the mat mat bloody and sweaty and crying. Like that's, that's my mentality. But what I've realized is that the time and place to do that is when you're younger is when, you know, you're just getting started is when you're a beginner. That's when you need to like build up that mental toughness muscle, I would say. Um, And then when you get older, you can listen to your body and you can know, okay, today's a day to push. Today's a day. I need to maybe just rep it out. Today's a day. Um, you know, it's kill or be killed. And you kind of learn that through years of making mistakes. Years of screwing it up and getting thrown <laughs> over and over and over, which is the absolute worst. Uh, so yeah. talk about that, the PFL playoffs you're heading to, right? August 19th, you're taking on Jenna Fabian. That ramp up you talked about to the playoffs where it seems to be tighter and tighter and tighter and then, then you're in the playoffs. Is there a ramp up in your head or is it all kind of a, a blur? Are you focusing toward a particular date and a particular opponent when you have so many back-to-back fights? I mean, yeah, obviously, like, you know, and you know, right after your fight that you, who you're going to p- face in the playoffs. So, you know, I've had Jenna's face in my mind for a while. Um, and, and to be honest, I'm kind of, I'm not, I'm training kind of through this, you know, my goal is to be, obviously no fight is easy. Everyone's tough until you beat them. I expect a, a really the best version of Jenna to show up that night. But um, I mean, I think that I, I trained so well, I won't say so hard, but I trained so well that on my worst day, I'm still going to be the best in the world. Booyah. I like that confidence. Feels good. How, when do you start, do you start scoping talent early or is that to you kind of a waste of time until you know who's in front of you do you kind of pay attention to the field in the beginning or no 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 (laughs) (laughs) so are you one of those people i'm really curious about this because i talk to a lot of fighters that go i don't watch fights if i'm not in a fight i I don't really like you know i'm a dork and it's my job are you one of those people like will you watch fights? i'm more of a doer less of a watcher 
Um, you know, Mike Brown is who's my head coach is like a never heard of him. Never heard of that clown at American Top Team. He's awesome, by the way. Love you. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Never heard of him. Heard and uh, he he said, you know, I watch fights now because of them and like betting and this and that and looking at specific techniques that we've been working on and saying, hey, did you see that in that fight that worked or this worked or did you see how he did this and that? So I usually tend to catch the highlights. Also, fights happen late at night. I'm a single mom now, so it's uh a little too late for me but i yeah. see the fatigue in your eyes as you talk about it i honestly saw you like oh, i'm a single mom so i'm in bed by 8 30 i'm officially old I, I can feel it i can feel it it's uh it's not an, an exaggeration at all when you say i'm in bed at 8 30 i'm pretty much in bed at 8 30 every single night I feel it would be 7 30 if i could get the kids to go down at 7 30 <laughs> flat out refuse so so, all right. So the PFL, it seems now the playoffs start uh, tonight, actually, with um, mm. with, uh, of course, Roy McDonald taking on Ray Brada Cooper, Brada Boy. I'm sorry. I keep calling him Ray Cooper because I was his dad. Ray Brada Boy Cooper, Ray Cooper, the uh, third in the mm. main event there. It seems like this year the PFL is getting a lot more press. They're getting a lot more play. <laughs> a lot more people are talking about. The PFL. Have you felt that on your side, or you know, walking down the street and more people go, "Hey, are you Kayla Harrison?" Have you felt that buzz? Because I feel like there's a little bit more of it now. Yeah, I think that there's definitely more buzz. Um, you know, they brought in, they did a good job of bringing in a lot of new talent. Um, I think that the production has gone through the roof. I think that people are excited to watch the fights. There hasn't been a boring fight this year, to my knowledge. Um, I think they're doing a great job of of building a brand and. Um, yeah, it's it's going good. So when you look at it, which obviously the main event, Roy McDonald versus Ray Cooper the third, what do you think of that main event? Obviously, Roy McDonald, a standout in the UFC, a former champion in Bellator, came over to PFL. Glayson Tebow, I didn't even saw that fight. I thought he was robbed against Glayson Tebow, but a little bit of a step back against Glayson Tebow, now up against Ray Cooper the third in the playoffs. What do you think of that fight? Do you have a do you have a particular favorite going into tonight? Um, I mean, I think that Roy is just a very well-rounded, um, high fight IQ yeah. fighter. You know, I think that he'll find a way to win. Um, I, I honestly respectfully think that it was a blessing for Rory to lose that fight to Tebow mm-hmm. because, because of the way the playoff works, it puts him, um, on the opposite side of Magomed. And I think Maga is going to give him really big problems. So I think that it all works out in Rory's favor, to be honest. What do you think about that kind of Hawaiian style Ray Brada Cooper? He comes in and tries to knock your head. That's just what he does. He's just like, hey, man, we train hard. I interviewed him like two weeks ago, and everything was like, yeah, man, hit hard. And, you know, I go in there and hit with everything I got. That, like, that's 100% Hawaiian style fighting. Uh, do you think that's yeah. effective this time out against Roy McDonald, who's, as you said, very cerebral guy? Yeah, I mean, I really enjoy watching – um, Cooper fight. I think he's exciting. I think, um, you know, he's also a very humble person, really, really likable guy, really quiet and soft-spoken. Um, but he goes out there and he throws down. So obviously it's a fight. Anything can happen. Um, I'm excited to see, I'm excited to see how it goes down tonight. Well, I think that my gut tells me that Roy will, um, you know, like I said, find a way to win, but it only takes one shot from Ray Cooper. So so are you heading out there or are you training? Are you going to sleep early? What's your schedule tonight? 
Um, I mean, I'm, tr I need to train again. Um, and then I'm going to try and stay awake. <laughs> I feel like that's why I have to say that I'm going to stay awake to watch the PFL playoffs. Like if I don't, they're probably going to, they're going to be like, that's not cool. You cannot not stay awake and watch our fights. Right. Yeah. It's just no, part I'm of being stay, there. I'm going to suck right. it up. I'm going to. Well, Kayla, I hope you stay up. I hope you make it, and I'm wishing you luck. As always, in two weeks when it's your turn in the playoffs, thank you so much for giving next. us your time. Oh, sorry, next, next week. week. That's right. The week after this, next week, August 19th, she's in the playoffs. Kayla Harrison, thank you so much for joining us. Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. Rafael Lovato Jr., former middleweight champ of Bellator. He is he is a veteran of not just Bellator. He hasn't just won Bellator gold. He has also fought and defeated both fighters who are in the main event tonight fighting for the Bellator welterweight title that he had to give up for medical reasons. That's right. John Salter and Gegard Musasi both fell to Rafael Lovato Jr. How you doing, my man? I'm doing awesome, just uh, living the life of the song that was just on. Every day I'm hustling, getting <laughs> training, training in out here right now, just uh, finishing up an awesome session with a couple of my black belts in Oregon, and uh, happy to be on the show with you, Jimmy. It's been a little while. It has been, man. Missed you. Hope you're doing well. So yeah. first, give us an update on you. You had to, you were undefeated in your MMA career, had to give up the uh, Bellator middleweight title for medical reasons. How's everything going on that front? How's everything feeling? How's training? Please tell us all about it, man. Well, I'm doing amazing. Uh, very grateful. You know, everything that I went through, um, having to retire early and, and let go of the belt, uh, you know, it was tough. It was really tough, obviously. Um, I do have this, this brain condition that I, that I discovered right before I fought for the title um, and nearly didn't get the opportunity to do that fight. Um, I got approved two weeks before the fight, and, you know, I, I thought everything would be good from, from there on, but uh, they decided that it, it wasn't safe for me to continue fighting, and um, I did some work with the commission to talk about options and seeing if I could get approved for one more fight and getting my doctors involved and all that. Um, but they, they unfortunately, um, denied me, but, uh, it's okay. Um, I'm healthy. I, I still have zero symptoms, um, no problems whatsoever. It's just this thing that's sitting in my brain and, um, you know, it's, it's possible something could change. Uh, but, uh, for now I'm good. I'm healthy and, uh, I'm training a lot, teaching, traveling, um, to, to teach and compete. Um, and I'm just, uh, a jiu-jitsu guy, again, doing a lot of gi and no gi and uh, just trying to stay, stay busy, you know, keep challenging myself, keep getting better. But uh, unfortunately, um, that won't be inside the MMA cage anymore. But I'm happy. I am happy to hear that you're happy, man. And, and for those that don't know, he's the second American to ever win a world title in Brazilian jiu-jitsu after BJ Penn. What was that come up like, man? You've been in it forever, but you were in it at a time when Americans were – uh, to, to say the least, a distant second to Brazil when it came to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and world titles and all of that. Uh, but 
in the last few years, it seems like, especially with Nogi getting as big as it has been in the United States and guys starting to make real money at it, there's been a little bit of a catch-up, to say the least. What have you thought of this transition of Americans starting to really assert themselves in the submission grappling in Brazilian jiu-jitsu world, and, and you being a big part of that? Man, it's amazing. You know, whenever I was younger, you know, the first time I went to Brazil, I had just turned 16. I was barely 16 years old. It was the summer between my sophomore and junior year of high school, you know. So I was a little kid. There was no no Internet, no access um, to high-level guys. Um, you know, in the U.S., there was just a couple people um, in California and uh, Miami, New York. You know, that was it. Um, so I was really in the uh, – you know, I came up in the in the stages, like the beginnings of jiu-jitsu coming to the U.S. And so you had to go to Brazil back in those days. You had to go to Brazil to, to learn – and um, experience the world-class level um, and, uh, you know, be, to be able to be in a room full of black belts, you had to go to Brazil. And so I came up in that time and it just, uh, you know, I have so much appreciation for that journey and seeing it back then um, and now seeing how far it's come. You know, I never imagined that the sport would be so big um, and the opportunities, the the ability to live off of jiu-jitsu and martial arts and just combat in general, um, you know, and and live your passion is is so high. You know, I travel all over the world teaching now and everywhere I go, there's jiu-jitsu, you know, and, uh, and people are hungry to learn and you meet so many amazing people, um, successful people that are in love with jiu-jitsu. And, and now, you know, the, the professional level of the sport is so high. It's just beautiful to see guys have these opportunities, um, you know, and the kids coming up now, uh, being able to go full time and uh, and just travel to to teach and compete, um, make good money, you know, uh, with all the media um, that there is now, the, the the streaming services. So there's so many pro events giving, you know, five, ten, twenty, or more thousand dollars to the winners all the time. And back in my day, it was a big deal if you could you know, find an event where you had to beat like four world champions to make 500 bucks, you know, uh, and, and, you, and you still had to buy your own plane ticket and your own hotel to get there, you know, so you were lucky if you could break even. Um, so yeah, you know, I'm just happy to kind of still be around, be a part of it, you know, I'm competing against uh, uh, a lot of the, the young kids still, you know, guys 10, 15 years younger than me. Um, and, you know, just still like being able to, uh, to be a part. Um, is uh, is amazing you know so getting to start young and yeah i'm a little older now but i still got a few good years in me and uh, just trying to make the most of it you know it's so funny i'm talking to rafael lovato jr uh american brazilian jiu-jitsu world champion who and of course undefeated in his mixed martial arts career when i went to brazil for the first time people ask oh what do they do in brazil what do they do in brazil i go they don't really do anything different it's just instead of three black belts they're like 20 Instead of 10 brown belts, there are 15, there are 30 of them. It's, it's like a room full of guys. And, and I was at Novignon in um, Flamenco Beach with Dede and those guys. And uh-huh. it was right before Brazilian Nationals. And I said, oh, great, man. I said, who's competing at Nationals? And the guy looks at me like I'm crazy. And he goes, everybody. Like, you know what I mean? Like In America, it's like certain guys yeah. will compete, other guys won't. They don't understand what you're talking about. When you're like, who wants to be world champion? They're like, yeah, all of us. That's why would we be here? You know what I mean? They almost don't yeah. understand it as recreation. It's all competition to them. Was that the difference you yeah. saw, man? Uh, for sure. Uh, there's a lot of that. Um, you know, there, there were the recreational guys as well. 
Uh, but it's just so much more a part of their culture, you know, and yeah. we're getting there now. Um, you know, it, it's, it's not hard. Like if, if you don't do it, you probably have a friend or a friend of a friend that does jujitsu, you know, um, and everyone loves to watch the fights. So the, the familiarity is, is, has grown so much. Um, it's a lot more a part of our culture here, but there it's been a part of their culture. And I think one of the biggest difference makers was, um, you know, for Brazil, and, you know, in the Gi, they are still way ahead of us. You know, we, we have um, non-Brazilian guys, uh, you know, across the world um, who have a great chance to hit the podium, but when you look at the black belt level, but when you look at the results as a whole, um, you know, it's, it's usually, you know, like 90% Brazilians uh, in the Gi. Now, no Gi, it's a lot more even, um, but in the Gi, you know, they're still ahead of us. But I think the, the, one of the biggest difference makers was, you know, they're, they're training and competing to, to better their lives, you know, to find a way out, you know what I mean? Like if they can yeah. make a name for themselves – um, become a Brazilian national champion or a world champion opportunities start arising um, where they could get to the U S they can teach, they can make money and they can feed their families, you know? And, uh, and that hunger is something that, uh, you know, it, if you're, if you're living a good life and um, you know, bills are paid and uh, you know, it, it's hard to compete against that. And that's something that they have, um, you know, that, that is really embedded into their, environment their training environment you know uh are surrounding you are are hundreds of other guys who are your teammates but they're fighting for their way out too you know and so it just ups the level ups the intensity and ups their passion they, they give everything for it and that was something that when i was a kid and i experienced that for the first time at 16 years old you know i knew that i had to be hungry i knew that i that's what i was competing against you know i saw their living conditions and uh and I was like, man, you know, I have to be able to match that. And so um, it inspired me back then. And, uh, you know, still to this day, uh, those guys, whether it's jiu-jitsu or MMA, you know, they're really fighting to make a better life. So switching gears a little bit, talking to Rafael Lovato Jr., who in Bellator defeated Gegard Musazi and John Salter, who are fighting tonight for the middleweight title. Your overall thoughts on both of these guys as competitors. Salter, you beat with a rear naked choke. Degard Musasi, incredibly well-rounded. That was a majority decision. Uh, what are the differences between these two guys, having faced both of them? Um, well, you know, Salter's more of a grappler. Uh, you know, he's uh, uh, got a great wrestling background, really good jiu-jitsu. Um, he's a high-level black belt, um, ADCC veteran. He won ADCC trials, um, beating several... Uh, top guys, world champion level guys. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, he's more of a grappler. He does have good striking, though. He's a southpaw, um, has, uh, you know, the southpaw style. Um, you know, he uses it well, and he sets up his shots really well. Um, you know, I, I had obviously um, a very tough fight with Musasi, uh, you know, going five rounds. It was really close. Uh, but I also had a really tough fight with Salter, too. It was one and one. Um, I think he got the first round. I got the second and going into the third round, I knew I had to win big and I was able to take over and, and uh, finish him that round. Um, but it was a tough fight. So um, both guys really, they, they, they fight hard um, and both are very experienced as well. Um, however, I think this will be Salter's first time to go five rounds. Um, and I think that could be a big difference maker. Um, you know, in my fight with Musasi, it was really going my way. Um, 
the execution, the strategy, everything was working perfectly the first 13 minutes. And then uh, about halfway through that third round, I lost the back. He ended up on top of me, and he's got really nasty ground and pound. Um, and uh, he cut me open. Um, and then the fourth round, I couldn't see, and uh, I was tired, and he ended up dropping me. Um, it wasn't like he was close to finishing me, but I, I didn't see the shot. It came out of nowhere. Like, it was an uppercut, and I didn't see it. And, um, and so it just – I lost my legs for a second. Um, uh, and then I had to dig deep to win that fifth round. But Musasi dug deep first because I was really in complete control um, for the first half of the fight. And then, um, and then, you know, he didn't give up on the back. He survived all the bad positions that I put him in. He's really good at minimi minimizing damage. Um, and then once I lost the back and he was on top, you know, he kind of smelled blood and went for it. Um, and then, you know, I had to dig deep again in, in the end to come back and win that fight. So I really see this uh, just being a great contest. Um, two guys really kind of at the top of their games, um, you know, and two guys that don't quit, that, that really give everything. Uh, Musasi's more well-rounded. Obviously, he's a great striker. Um, he will have the advantage on the feet. It won't surprise me if Salter manages to get him down and get to some good spots. But I don't see him finishing Musasi, and I don't see him hurting Musasi enough. Um, and I, I kind of think that uh, around the third or fourth round, Musasi could start to take over and maybe end up getting some sort of TKO uh, kind of referee stoppage um, involving some good striking on the feet and then some nasty striking on top uh, with ground and pound. I know you trained, and I'm speaking to Rafael Lovato Jr., who beat both Gegard Mousasi and John Salter, who fight for the middleweight title tonight. I know you trained for the best Gegard Mousasi, but Gegard throughout his career has had this kind of frustrating tendency to not take certain fights seriously. Or uh, when he fought Shlomenko in his Bellator debut, it's like he assumed he was going to win and didn't pull the trigger very often. Uh, other fights he's been in, he seems like he's kind of I don't know, pacing himself a little too much. He doesn't seem that interested. That's a weird phenomenon. But did you notice that when studying tape for, for Gegard? Um, yes and no. You know, it's just a lot of his demeanor as a whole. You know, he's very, he's just calm. Um, he's cerebral. You know, he doesn't um, get emotional and, and he doesn't make a lot of mistakes because of that. You know, he doesn't leave a lot of openings. He's just he kind of keeps a, 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 a set pace throughout. Um, and, you know, until he smells blood, he doesn't really unleash or, or kind of go crazy or whatever. So, um, you know, he, he can be a bit of a slow starter and let another person kind of get into the fight a little bit. Um, and that was my, you know, part of my strategy was to get it going right away and really let him know that he was in a fight, you know, and if he wasn't ready to, to give his best, you know, I was going to, I was going to just dominate. Um, but he did give his best, you know, at the end, no one likes to lose and he does not like to lose. Um, and so uh, if, if Salter gets a little bit going, I think Musasi will, will flip the switch and, and be like, no, nah, I'm not going to let this happen again. Um, and, you know, get, get a little more, um, fire to, to take over and, and win the fight. Um, you know, it's just with me, when he did that, I didn't give up <laughs> and I kept going and I, uh, you know, we were both pretty tired. Um, and, 
you know, I, I wasn't there for money. I, I wasn't there for uh, business or anything like that, um, where I think he is still, he's been open about saying that, you know, it's more for the money and, and this is all business to him. Um, I, I was fighting for, for my legacy. And, uh, and I already knew going into that fight, um, remember everything that I went through with my brain condition, um, you know, I already had to decide that I really, really wanted to be in that cage and that I was ready to give everything, you know what I mean? I mean, I didn't even know for sure if my health really could be in danger or not. And uh, so, you know, I don't want to say that I was ready to die in there, essentially, but um, I kind of was, uh, sort of, you know, I was just, I knew that I wanted that fight more than anything, and I knew that I would not quit and I would give everything that I possibly had because I didn't know what was going to happen in the future. And uh, and that carried me through the fight, and I believe that's why I won um, versus just being there, you know, for money or, or for whatever. And uh, so, you know, definitely Salter is going to need that. Um, you know, this is the, the opportunity of a lifetime. Everyone dreams of being a world champion. And, uh, you know, both guys need to know what they're there for and to be ready to give everything they possibly have. But I would say even more so for Salter uh, because Musashi is just so experienced. And uh, if he, you know, if he gets an inch, he will look to take over and it'll be really, really hard for Salter to come back. So your pick, if I am reading this right, is Gegard Musashi by TKO a little bit late. Yeah, I think so. Around uh, end of the third, fourth round sometime, I think so. I, I don't think it'll go the distance. Um, I, I think uh, Salter's gas tank is going to be a bit of an issue. He got a little tired in the third round with me, um, and he had a fight with Musashi's teammate, Costello Van Stinas. That was a really hard fight, and Salter was a little gassed in the third round. Um, and so I could see Salter uh, taking a round, maybe even two rounds, um, but do I see him winning more rounds than Musasi? No. And I think, uh, towards the end, um, if Musasi can, you know, get a little bit ahead, he's going to get way ahead. Um, and so I do see some sort of late TKO for Musasi, but I, to be honest, I, I'm rooting for Salter on this one. Um, he's a great guy, a warrior and, um, um, someone that I've kept in touch with since our fight. And, uh, you know, obviously, Musashi and I, we, uh, it was respectful on the night of and in the cage and everything. And then afterwards, he had some not-so-nice things to say. And uh, so that kind of uh, makes me want to cheer for <laughs> Salter a, a little more. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I always root for the underdog um, anyways. So uh, I'm rooting for Salter. But if I had to put money, I would put on Musashi on a late, on a late finish. All right, I think that's what I'm doing as well, man. Appreciate your breakdown. Appreciate your insight. Hope everything goes great with your training. Rafael Lovato Jr., ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us, buddy. Thanks for having me on, Jimmy. It was, it was awesome to talk to you again. I remember you back in the beginning, and I always appreciate the love and support, man. Wishing you Hey, every time, man. I found Oklahoma. We're rolling for sure. Appreciate you. Definitely. Rafael Lovato Jr., right, ladies and gentlemen. Unlocking the Cage with Jimmy Smith is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Michael Russo. The associate producer is Kelly Murphy. Sound design by Nuri Balin. Andy King is director of sports podcasting for SiriusXM. Special thanks to SiriusXM's senior vice president of sports programming and podcasting, Steve Cohen. And SiriusXM Fight Nation program director, Marissa Rivas. 
SiriusXM Podcasts.